We have some actual Detroit Tigers news to talk about today. Uh, two players had player options. Jonathan Scope and Andrew Chafin. I always forget that it's literally in the title who we're talking about, so there's no point in me like being dramatic about it. Jonathan Scope opts in. Andrew Chafin opts out. We're going to talk about it, and then we're going to do a deep dive on Miguel Cabrera, what his 2023 will look like, where he's at production-wise, all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday. November 4th, 2022. Happy Friday, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay, so we got some news to actually go over. Kind of exciting, right? Because we haven't had news to talk about in a minute. I'm wearing a Brewers sweatshirt if you're watching on YouTube. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not trying to cheat on the Tigers or anything, but I love this sweatshirt, man. Little little powder blue action going. Love it. Um, So we have some news. We have some news to actually talk about. Uh, fun because we have news. Not fun because it's maybe not the best news in the world. <laughs> but we do have news to talk about nonetheless. So for starters, uh, who do we want to start with? Flip a coin. Let's start with Jonathan Scope. So Jonathan Scope will opt in to his player option that he had. Uh, He was given a two-year extension. It was a one-and-one. And And he will exercise his $7.5 million player option, uh, opting him in to the exercising the, the 2023 season. Jonathan Scope will be back. This one's not surprising whatsoever, even a little bit at all, remotely, ever at all. Um. Look, he, we don't have to beat around the bush. He was terrible at the plate this year. Uh, and when I say terrible, I don't mean like, oh, Jonathan Scope was, was you know, had a, a, a 90 OPS plus and And, you know, we're used to him being a league average-ish hitter with some pop. And this year he just kind of didn't have it. Like, no, he was legitimately maybe the worst regular in baseball. Um, what When you look at on-base percentage – well, I mean, when you look at OPS, when you look at pretty much everything, he there is a legitimate case that out of like everyday players, players that got like 450, 500 plate appearances, that he might have been the worst in, in the sport that went up there consistently on a day-to-day basis, which is really saying something. Because again, we are used to him being a, a producer at the plate. And, and over the last two years, we have been used to him being honestly one of the better hitters in this lineup, which is much more of an indictment on how poor the lineup is than than Jonathan Scope being some amazing hitter. But in the same breath, he was still about a league average hitter with some power the last couple of years. And, and now that, that was not this season. Now, on the flippity flip, right? I've never said that before. That was weird. I didn't like that. On the flip side, um, Jonathan Scope was stellar defensively. Absolutely stellar. And I guess we can talk about that right now. We haven't talked about that on the show. Um, Gold Glove was was announced. 
And Jonathan Scope got runner-up. He ended, uh, he got second place for gold glove at second base. Second place, second base. Um, you know what? A lot of people were super upset about this. And, and I do think that he should have won. I, I do. But this wasn't like the worst take in the world. I don't know. I, that, that might ruffle some feathers. So I, I tweeted this out. Andres Jimenez had 15 DRS, defensive runs saved, which was the second highest among second basemen in baseball this season. And he had 12 outs above average, OAA, which was the second among second basemen this year. Uh, now, the I believe Brennan Rogers read, led the second baseman in DRS, uh, but he was not at in the top two for OAA. And then Jonathan Scope you have, who had eight DRS, which was seventh among second basemen, but he had 27 outs above average, which was not only the best of all second basemen, but it was literally the best in baseball. The the which I, that part I think is kind of ridiculous. The, the dude that led baseball any position in outs above average didn't win the Gold Glove. Kind of whack, right? I mean, we can all agree that's a little that's a little whack. That's a little weird. I think that that probably shouldn't be a thing. But DRS didn't like him nearly as much, and and, and people ask me all the time about like the difference between the two, and and a lot of it has to do with positioning. There's a, there's a plethora of reasons to be completely honest with you. It's not it's not like it's just positioning or whatever. But one of the the reasons that they are calculated different is is positioning, and and uh, one of them is is much more eye test positioning versus like actual. I don't want to say actual eye test positioning versus like raw data and like figuring out exactly where your positioning is and how much your positioning affects your ability to get baseballs versus again, kind of like not like eye tests or more of like general vicinity stuff with DRS. So I think OAA just liked him a lot more because his positioning was very solid, which I think is also a lot more, not more, but, uh, but a lot of that is on the shoulders of AJ Hinch being a good manager. And I know that some of y'all really don't like AJ Hinch and that's fine, but um, so I don't know. I, 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 I disagree with it. I, I do disagree with it. I think that the person who led baseball in OAA should probably go home with a gold glove. Uh, but DRS really liked Jimenez a lot more. And he, he was second place in both stats where scope was first and seventh. I don't know. I, I didn't think it was some like, atrocity I didn't think it was like oh my goodness this is you know the worst gold glove like Derek Jeter won a lot of gold gloves you know what I mean like I don't know not to throw shade I'm not trying to I'm not trying to start anything but like I don't know there have been there have been a lot worse gold glove winners uh over the years worse than Jeter too that's just like the first example that always comes to my mind uh so there you go that's that's I, I wanted to talk about that and didn't have time yesterday or was it announced after I recorded maybe anyway Whatever. Scope wins runner-up. He opts in to his contract. Uh, his, his He exercises his player option for next season. So, with Scope, this doesn't change anything. And we will get to Andrew Chafin, I promise. But th- this doesn't change anything. This was expected. This was pretty much guaranteed. Because he was so bad at the plate, there was just no way that he was going to opt out. Be like, oh, yeah, let's test the market. Like, no, 
if you have a chance to make seven and a half million dollars after being one of the worst hitters in baseball, you probably take it. <laughs> right. And that's not a, I don't know. Some people are weird and they're like, he should decline it just out of respect to no, dude, no, not how it works. Seven and a half mil. No, not rejecting that out of the kindness of my heart. Sorry. So smart move for him, the right move for him, the correct move for him, his family, his agent, et cetera. No, no hard feelings, right? He just signed the contract. Our front office is the per, are the people that gave him the contract. If you want to be mad, keep throwing, you know, anger at Avila, even though he's not here anymore. That's significantly more justified than being mad at Scope. Um, well, you can be mad for his performance, just not the contract. Anyway, so this doesn't change anything. This, like I said, this is what we expected to happen. There was no way he was going to opt out. We just did, we did his breakdown. He was one of the first players. Was he the first? Who was the first player breakdown we did this offseason? It might have been Scope. He was one of the early ones, anyway. Uh, so you can go back and listen to that if you missed it and want like the full deep dive breakdown on his season and what we expect out of him. I don't think this, this doesn't change anything for me personally. I am still of the belief that there is a legitimate chance that. He is either traded for next to nothing or that he is just straight up released. Like it, it would not shock me if, if Scott Harris turned around, you know, five, what is it? Four or five days after the world series is when like these player options are due and like officially take effect. If he just said, you know what? That's great that you accepted the, your player option. Here's seven and a half million for you to become a free agent. Anyway, that would not shock me. Um, or again, if they can find a trade partner, somebody that maybe needs defense more than offense at second base has a really solid lineup, just maybe a, a hole at second base and wants this good solid defender that right might run into a few home runs throughout the season. There, there, there's some possibilities there. We'll talk about that when the off season is officially like here in the world series is over, but I, this doesn't change anything. For, for me, this, my opinion of, of what happens with Jonathan scope, I, the same exact percentage, because we all knew that this was going to happen. Um, and, and I still very much think that it's a real possibility that he's just cut anyway, uh, or traded anyway or whatnot. So doesn't change anything, but news and, and news we have to talk about. We talked about the gold glove stuff. Okay. Let's get to Andrew Chafin. Cause that's really what the, the big kind of story of all this is right. Opting out. Tough. Let's talk about it. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting, football, and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information like live betting, up-to-the-minute scores, and every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and even golf. So to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Okay. We're back. Segment two here. Locked on Tigers. See how I'm doing the, the mic hold thing? I just, I, I, I feel more natural like this. I feel like I'm, I'm more free-flowing. I get to use my hands to talk more, which I love to do. Um, I don't know. I, it feels more casual. And that's what I, I want these to be informative and professional, but also like, you know, we're just kind of talking ball and like we're friends. Like that's the vibe I'm kind of going for. And I feel like 
me holding the mic gives that vibe a lot more. I really like this. I don't know. It's probably going to stick around. We'll see what happens. We'll see. I still have my my metal crane that holds the mic somewhere around here, but we'll we'll see. Anyway, Andrew Chafin opts out of his uh, player option, or I should say does not exercise his player option, opts out of his contract. It's tough. That's tough. Um, Andrew Chafin was set to make $6.5 million and also a $500,000 signing bonus. So if you combine those together, it's about $7 million he would have made to play for the Detroit Tigers this season and decided to not exercise that. So this is a very fascinating conversation, and I need you all to bear with me, okay? I need you all to bear with me, hear me out start to finish, and not just completely, you know, listen, react. I I need you all to, to, to hear me out here. I would have loved if he opted in, and I'm still furious at Avila for not trading him at the deadline. We'll get to that in a second, actually. But, some people are like, oh, he opted, let's sign him in free agency. I don't think so. Not that I don't think so in the sense that I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so in if my last name was Harris instead of Bentley. I'm not sure I would want to do that. And I kind of touched on it a little bit. It might have been during the Andrew Chafin breakdown, maybe. I'm trying to remember. It was during, maybe it was the Joe Jimenez breakdown. One of them. It doesn't matter. Um... I'm not big on paying relievers big money. And maybe that's just like I grew up with Dave Dombrowski as my GM and he never did. But like I – I, and I'm not saying you don't ever get a free agent reliever. Like I, I liked the Chafin deal. And if he opted in, I would have been fine with it. I'm saying when you go out in a market, I'm not sure I'm totally down to give a reliever – like eight to ten million dollars a year. And well, I have to tread this carefully and, and try and really drive home my point. It's not my money, it's the owner's money, right? And if they are willing to open the bank and just pay for the best players, then do it. Be Cohen in New York and do that. Obviously. But if we have a budget and if we have a budget and Paying that like eight to 10 mil would prevent us from then paying a position player or even a starting pitcher eight to 10 million sprinkled around the rest of free agency for other positions. I think I'd probably take position players and or starters over 10 mil on a reliever. And that's around, we can assume that that's probably what he's going to be making right? Because he just shot down seven. So we can imagine that he at least expects to, or his agent and him expect to make about seven and a half plus AAV. And also you would imagine it would be for at least a couple of years. Um, I, this is bringing Andrew Chafin back is not at the top of my priority list is what I'm trying to say. I think this team has so many holes on it. This was one of the worst offenses we have ever seen, ever. This bullpen was pretty darn good. Not just because of Andrew Chafin. This was a good bullpen unit. There were four, five, six relievers that gave you a a, a plus season out of the pen. 
And I just, I don't see how prioritizing Andrew Chafin this offseason would like greatly, I don't think it moves the needle as much as going out and bringing in position players with that money, assuming you have a budget. I hope this all makes sense. I think it does. But I, I, I just, and look, if they bring them back, again, it's not my money. And if you have permission to go spend, then go spend. If you want to go all in and, and go bring in, you know, a ton of big name free agents and, and spend a lot of money and break the bank, please be my guest. I have been begging for the Illich family to do that for about five years now. I'm just saying there's definitely a budget in place that we don't know about it. And if it's that or using that 8 to 10 for something else that's not a reliever, I think I'm going with something else that's not a reliever. Um, and that sucks because Chafin was, again, we talked about it, one of the better lefty relievers in the entire American League. He was the second best reliever in your entire bullpen as far as F4 goes. Joe Jimenez is the only person that had more. But I just, I, I, I don't need, I don't need, I would like, but I don't need, that's the way I should be putting it. It's like when you're in elementary school and you learn the difference between wants and needs. I would want, I would be fine. I would welcome Chafin back with open arms. He's a phenomenal reliever. Having him on this team would obviously be a huge plus. But I don't need it back. Like I need someone that can hit a baseball desperately. Or starting pitchers because for the last two years, we've rolled into August with two healthy starters. <laughs> I think there are much higher priorities this offseason than bringing Andrew Chafin back. That's all. Um, phenomenal season. Cool personality that everybody seems to like. Um, we'll see what happens with him. I, I don't think he'll be back. I think that that's probably all she wrote on his Detroit Tigers career. I don't think that he's going to be a high priority either. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, Andrew Chafin opts out officially. Uh, like I said, it was about seven mil. So you're looking at, uh, he's thinking that he's can get probably more than he can get seven or a little more than seven mil and probably on multiple years, I'd imagine. You know, we, we just hope he doesn't go to a division rival. And, and that's pretty much that's pretty much all she wrote. Now, I, I do want to end on the point of this makes not trading him so much more ridiculous than it already was. You can go back to the trade deadline episode. You can go find it on YouTube or, or wherever you get these, where, however you listen to this show. And you can go re-listen to the episode the day after the trade deadline. And... Listen to me lose my mind. I, I was very emotional in that moment. I was very upset with Al Avila in this front office about how it was possible to hold on to Andrew Chafin. It made zero sense to me. And I want to read you an excerpt from an Evan Petzold article. Okay, Evan Petzold, uh, the brilliant Tigers beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. That's the dog, fire up chips. He's the man, okay? Um, great guy, for real. So, in his breakdown of Andrew Chafin opting out, he wrote this, okay? This is directly from his article, okay? He wrote, 
The Tigers, operating under former general manager Al Avila, shopped Chafin at the 2022 trade deadline in early August, but they didn't receive offers that lined up with their asking price. The Tigers believed Chafin would accept his player option if not traded, and meanwhile, opposing teams wouldn't budge from their two-month rental-like offers. Essentially, all the other teams were like, he's going to opt out. And the Tigers were had blinders on and were like, no, he won't. Give us a return for a year and a half of Andrew Chafin. And they all said, no, because he's definitely opting out. We're not doing that. Here's a return for two months of Andrew Chafin. And the Tigers and Alavila, as I said, continued to just do the no, no, everything's fine. He's going to opt in. If you don't want to give us what he's worth for a year and a half, then we're not trading him at all. And now... You just lost whatever, 95 games or whatever you ended up losing. You, you had a loss total in the mid-90s. You held on to him, and now he's opting out. The Alavila era in a nutshell. No creativity. We talked about it on the day after the trade deadline. We, we talked a lot about it. Zero creativity with this team. He managed, he, he, he ran this team very cookie cutter, very conservatively. No extremes taken, no risks taken. It was the worst. And it's gone now, so we don't have to get hung up on it, but golly. Okay. Let's talk about Miguel Cabrera right after this. All right. Welcome back. Third and final segment here. Locked on Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Uh, for your next listen, check on the Locked on Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights only Locked on can provide. Locked on Sports Today. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay. Let's talk about Miguel Cabrera. Some of you might be listening to this and, and going like, oh my goodness, why does Miguel Cabrera only get one segment at the end? Well, because there's not really much to talk about, unfortunately. Um, I, I, I really did when I went into this offseason, I was planning, you know, which, which players I think I could do, you know, uh, uh, one segment on, right? Which players I think could take up an entire show, which would maybe be a 50-50 split. And... Miguel Cabrera, certainly, if you're highlighting his career or saying thank you or whatever, deserves a million episodes. That is the dog. He is the man. Um, he has been one of the biggest figures in Detroit sports for the last 15 years. And he deserves a beautiful farewell tour. He deserves all the credit in the world. He deserves a Hall of Fame nomination, a Hall of Fame acceptance, rather. Um, he deserves uh, all of it. But when we are just talking about Miguel Cabrera in the year 2023 and what will happen, I don't think there's much of a discussion there. Um, he is not what he was. That's not news to anyone. That's not news to him. This is all something that everyone is well aware of. This season, he had the worst year of his career, and it's not even relatively close. 
when going by F4, he had a negative one and a half win season. That is one of the lowest wars in all of baseball. Um, for a while there, it was the lowest. It's tough. It's tough to talk about. Uh, it's tough to admit. It's tough to watch. It's tough. Um, pretty much the power is all gone. And he doesn't walk. He doesn't draw walks like he used to. This is to do with a, a career walk percentage of 10.7%. And back in his prime, put up like a 15% walk season one year and like a 14% walk season one of his MVP years. Like, this is a dude that that was widely known for having one of the best eyes in, in the game of baseball. Didn't strike out a lot while also having a really high walk rate, had a really low K rate. And now this year, a 6.5% walk percentage and a 23.3% K percentage, a 254 batting average, a 305 OBP, a 317 slug. That's a 623, 622 rather, OPS. Uh, 79 WRC plus, over 20% worse than league average. Um, he's just going to hit some some clutch singles sometimes. That's pretty much where he's at. He can't play defense. And I'm sure if the Tigers are out of it or whatnot at the end of next season, he might get some starts at first base just for like the farewell tour. But he's not going to start at first base on a consistent basis anymore. Uh, or not any basis anymore, really. Like he's not going to get starts at first. He is strictly a DH at this point. Uh, this will be his age 40 season. And I, I just I can't imagine him hitting like well over 250 anymore. Uh, if you're just looking at his last, let's just take a look at since 2016. Okay. 2016 was his last like Miguel Cabrera type season. Okay. He had a, a, a very, very good, he had a five, one war as a first baseman, um, slugged five sixty something had a OBP of almost 400. He, he was, you know, phenomenal putting up an OPS in the mid nine hundred still. 2017, he has a negative 0.7 war. 2018, in only 38 games, because that's when the injury started, he had a 0.8 positive war. 2019, he had a negative half win season. In 2020, in 40 games, just under 40 games, he had a 0.3 season. In 2021, he had a negative 0.6 season. And this year, the negative 1.5, really brutal. So he has played his way out of retiring with over 70 war, according to fan graphs, which is uh, Pujols kind of did the same thing in, in the Angels. And it doesn't doesn't take away from anything. It doesn't really matter. He'll, he'll still be a, a Hall of Famer and, and likely a first ballot one at that. But um, just the last five years have been really brutal. And a lot of it's due to injuries, out of his control. Don't blame him. I have no ill will toward Miguel Cabrera like some fans seem to have because of the contract or whatever not whatever <laughs> would that have changed the last five years no <laughs> no so when looking at 2023 um i i i really expect him to play like once a series 
I think we'll we'll hear a plan. I don't think we'll go into opening day not knowing what the game plan for Miguel Cabrera will be because they will want to maximize ticket sales and they will want everyone to know what the quote-unquote Miguel Cabrera days are so that they can, you know, sell out the stadium on those days as he does his farewell tour. But a couple of things are certain. One, he's retiring after next season. Two, he's not retiring this offseason. It's not going to happen. And I get asked all the time. That, like I said, there are some people that have a lot of ill will towards Miggy um, for, for whatever reason. And, I, you know, I, I have people that ask me, oh, like he needs to, you know, just like call it quits or whatever. He needs to stop. This is ridiculous. Um, like one of the worst contracts ever, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing. $30 million is a lot of money. Okay. I don't care how much money you've already made. 30 million is a lot for one calendar year of work. So he's not going to just, I don't think, willingly turn that down. And more so because we're still talking about money. The Illich family, I don't think, wants that to happen. Scott Harris might. Scott Harris might really want that to happen. But I don't think that Chris Illich wants that to happen. Because... When Miggy was leading up to 3,000 and when he was leading up to 500, those were the first times we had sold out Comerica Park in years, excluding opening days. Years. Years. You think that Chris Illich isn't drooling at the fact that Miguel Cabrera is about to have a farewell tour season and the last pretty much from July on, Everybody is just going to want to go see Miguel Cabrera one last time. Not going to happen. Chris Illich wants him to play one more season. He wants him to make it public that it is his last season so that he can get the farewell tour treatment from the fans and all that. And it's going to be a feel-good story and it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to cry and I'm going to love it. And I'm going to be really sad when it's over. But do not get it twisted. This is going to make the Detroit Tigers and the Illich family a lot of money. There's no way that he's not playing next season. And again, I think it might be a literally once a series. Like, it would not surprise me if he ended next season having played like 65 games. Like, I'm not kidding. Or like, oh, you know, the, the Sunday home games. Like, not that he'll only play once a week. I don't think it'll be that dramatic, but there's, you know, rosters are 26 men instead of 25 now. Kerry Carpenter can DH and kind of play corner outfield on days that Miggy, you know, is playing. So it's not necessarily like they, they can't coexist. I, I, I just, I would be floored. I would be absolutely stunned if Miguel Cabrera was not back next season. And he will be back next season. I am beyond convinced of it. And if I'm wrong, pie in my face, I'll come on here and talk about it. And we'll give a farewell to Miggy and all that because he rightfully deserves it. But I, I just, I don't see any way that he's not back for, for the reasons that I just laid out. Um, production wise, I, I don't really, I'm not banking on any production. And that's like sad to say, that's sad, but like, it's true. 
I'm not going into 2023 like, oh, we're going to get, you know, like 10 home runs and, you know, 70 RBIs and we'll get like a like a 700 OPS from Miggy maybe if everything goes well. Like, no. I He is a dude on the roster that is going to have at-bats, not enough at-bats to really change the course of the season one way or another. And he's going to sell a lot of tickets and there's going to be a lot of tears. And I'm going to go to a lot of games to watch him because I know it'll be the last time and I'm going to cherish it all. But I am not going into 2023 like, well, if everything goes right, maybe we can expect this level of production from Miggy. No, I'm done doing that. It only took me till the last year of his career to finally stop, but I've been playing that game for five years and I'm not doing it again. So there you go. Miguel Cabrera. I, I tried to walk the line of, you know, reality and, and realism, but also giving him his props and not being disrespectful to a legend and one of the best hitters in the history of this organization and someone who will have his number on the brick wall the second that it's eligible to be on the brick wall. You know what I mean? Like that this is this is a legend and we and I I give him, you know, all the respect in the world for what he's done on the baseball field. But when talking about what kind of production we're going to get in 2023, I think that's a pretty short conversation because I don't think we should really go in expecting any, which is sad, but real. Okay. Okay. I think that's all I got. Uh, thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. For your next lesson, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast, just like us. Okay. I think that's it. One last ride for Miggy. He's going to hit some singles sometimes. Like I said, the slugging percentage is pretty much entirely gone. The power is pretty much entirely gone. What do you have, four or five home runs this year? Um He'll probably bat around, yeah, 240, 250. They'll all be singles. And we'll give him the farewell tour that he very much deserves. Um, Andrew Chafin, Scope, Gold Glove, Miggy. I think that's everything. Peace and love. Going to Derby's Dope. And I will catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.